Heading into a must-win season finale, the Seahawks have some major question marks on their offensive line that could extend beyond this season, potentially. We'll be breaking it all down on our Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined on today's episode by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang, and a special thanks to all the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks are going to be gearing up for their season finale, a rematch with a much different looking Arizona Cardinals squad that is coming off easily their biggest one of the season, beating the Eagles in Philadelphia. We'll go behind enemy lines and take a look at what's changed since these teams met back in week seven at Lumen Field. And it's Tell the Truth Tuesday. We're going to be dropping some maybe pretty hot opinions on today's show coming out of the loss of the Pittsburgh Steelers with the Seahawks now on the brink of playoff elimination. This episode is brought your way by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Now for your lead story here on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. It's win or go home with a sprinkle of help for the Seahawks going into this season finale. They need to beat the Cardinals to have any shot at making the playoffs, and then they need the Green Bay Packers to slip up for a second straight season at Lambeau Field, this time against the Chicago Bears. To get that win in Arizona, it's looking increasingly likely they're going to have to do it without at least one of their starting offensive linemen that they lost in Sunday's defeat to the Steelers, and it's a big one. Abraham Lucas, who did not play the entire second half due to a knee issue that was the same knee. Pete Carroll, after the game, said that it was not the same issue that had him on injured reserve. He said he banged the knee, but Rob, different comment today, a couple days later, from Pete Carroll saying this on his weekly radio show on Seattle Sports 710. He said the knee just isn't quite as there as he wants it to be. It's not like it isn't stable, but he doesn't feel the power. You can see it in plays before we got him out of there. You could tell he wasn't able to drive the way he would like to and wasn't able to play like he's capable, so we had to make a change. I don't know how that's going to go. It's less likely that he can respond. It's been a sore knee for a long time. You know... I don't know if we want to put too much stock in something that was said on a morning radio show by the head coach, but at the same time, we've had this discussion already earlier in the season when Abraham Lucas was on injured reserve for more than half the season. He comes back and Pete Carroll was saying that he was still a little uncomfortable. He said he was a little bit uncomfortable just trying to get himself feeling good enough to play. And I think he's done a decent job since he came back, but this seems like a pretty ominous update to me. And again, This is suggesting that this is the same issue he's been dealing with, which Pete Carroll did not say that after the game on Sunday. 
this screams potential long-term issue. I was saying this back in October, early November. I hope that's not the case, but this was said not to be something that needed surgery. Where are we now? I mean, what does this mean for the future for Abraham Lucas and the right tackle position for the Seahawks? It's spooky stuff uh, because we all know that Pete Carroll is Mr. Optimism and you use the word ominous. I think that's an excellent word to describe exactly the tone, the the, the diction of Pete Carroll's uh, description of Abraham Lucas's uh, recurring knee injury at this point. This is obviously a very young player on his second year in the NFL. Of course, he was a four-year starter at Washington State is one of the reasons why the Seahawks felt like they had their right tackle of the present and the future when they made that selection the second round a year ago. And he did play very, very well as a rookie and has played pretty darn well in his spot starts so far this season. But if he is unable to play in this game against the Arizona Cardinals, even if the Seahawks were able to, to get this victory and, and perhaps get themselves in position to play in the postseason, it's just very troubling news that arguably Seattle's most physical run blocker might not be available for them. And, and I, I want to specifically talk about the run blocking because, you know, when Abraham Lucas went down this past game, Stone Forsythe came in. I think you got to give Stone Forsythe an awful lot of credit. I thought he played very well against TJ Watt and, uh, you know, and a terrific Pittsburgh Steelers pass rush. But the Seahawks, as they have struggled with all season long, were unable to get any type of consistent push in the running game. And that was one of the things that Abraham Lucas was able to provide. So, yes, Corb, I think this is very distressing news for the Seahawks in this upcoming week's opponent against the Arizona Cardinals, a team that, as you mentioned, played very well, played very physically and uh, you know emotionally charged up uh, in their victory against the Philadelphia Eagles this past week. If the Seahawks are don't have their most physical run blocking offensive linemen, uh, then I think you think that that is uh, you know, very concerning for them, not only this season, but obviously if this winds up becoming a long term issue, unfortunately, it's just the reality reality of the NFL the players physically break down even young players like Abraham Lucas I would echo your sentiments we are hoping Abraham Lucas well but at the same time the Seahawks may very well have to take advantage of one of the offensive tackle classes that I think is among the best I've seen in my 20 what 23 24 years now of being a, a talent evaluator this is a terrific class if the Seahawks believe that Abraham Lucas is not going to be able to get onto the field and consistently so then they are going to have to dedicate a much earlier selection to the offensive line than perhaps John Schneider, Pete Carroll were thinking a couple of months ago. We obviously don't want this to become, you know, a storyline that gets legs and runs with it. We're not saying that this is what is going to happen, but I do think that it is fair to wonder about the future of Abraham Lucas because of the nature of this injury. I mean, Pete Carroll early in the season after this happened, said it wasn't an injury. He just said it was a sore knee. Like every update that we've gotten on this throughout the process has just been bizarre. And anytime you hear things like that, well, it's not an injury, it's just a sore knee. Normally that's something you'd associate with a guy that's been in the league for a long time, like Gabe Jackson last year, for example. Very similar situation, and he hasn't played for anybody this year. So having a second-year tackle dealing with that kind of an issue, and maybe it is something this offseason that they will be able to get calmed down to the point that it isn't going to be a problem anymore. But this seems worrisome because it seems like it is one of those chronic things that 
they can't fully get healed up. And it's going to be a problem throughout his time playing football from here on out. I hope that's not the case, but for this game, it's a huge deal against the Cardinals. You want to have your best line out there. You want to have your most physical run block, or at least of the tackle spots. And right now it's not looking good that they are going to have him available for this game. If they make the playoffs, who knows, but not looking good with that knee continuing to act up on the plus side. We don't know if Evan Brown is going to be available this week. He's a game time decision, but Pete Carroll said he's made good progress the two days since suffering that concussion against the Steelers. So there may be a better chance that he is out there. If not, Olu Olu Timmy will get the start in this potential playoff clinching game against the Cardinals. But at least there appears to be hope there. Reading through Pete Carroll's words, and maybe he'll have a different update tomorrow, but reading through his words today, it doesn't look good for Abraham Lucas to be available. And who knows what that means moving forward. As you mentioned, this is a very good tackle class. The Seahawks may have to dip into that tackle class way earlier than they expected. We don't know where this is going, but it's certainly, as I said, the words coming from Pete Carroll's mouth today, uh, they seem pretty ominous, and there's been some ominous updates throughout this process with Abraham Lucas. We're hoping that things turn out well, and this is not a long-term issue, but I do think it is something worth monitoring right now just with the nature of this knee issue that he is dealing with. Up next, it's Tell the Truth Tuesday. Rob and I are going to be dishing out some takes coming out of Sunday's loss to the Steelers. Looking towards the season finale, potentially the last game for the Seahawks this season. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This episode is brought to you away by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that can be easily found in the Parlay Hub, and that includes spreads as the Seahawks being an early road favorite against the Cardinals in Week 18. Player props such as Geno Smith's total passing yards against the Cardinals in the season finale, over-unders, and much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Cheney, Washington, or over in my hometown of Auburn, Indiana. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. It's Tell the Truth Tuesday, and... Sometimes we have these episodes, Rob, coming off losses where we are able to bite our tongue a little bit and, you know, look at some of the positives. And I think there will be some positives here, but it's difficult when you're coming off an ugly loss like the one the Seahawks had to the Steelers on Sunday when your playoff hopes are on the brink. I have a feeling that there's going to be some interesting statements that are made in this segment today. So I'm going to give you the mic first here. What's the first thing that you want to get off your chest here on our week 18 edition of Tell the Truth Tuesday? Corbin, if I bit off my tongue anymore, then you wouldn't be able to understand what I was trying to say in our podcast. And as you said, uh, thank you so much to all of our listeners, all of our viewers. I, I think that when you're talking about the Seahawks 2023 season, th this is a season that is 
just proven that this is a club that has its flaws. There are many Achilles heels. I would argue that the biggest one of them is just the lack of physicality, um, basically almost throughout the entire team. Now, there certainly are some players in this team that are physical. I mean, you might argue that DK Metcalf is too physical at times, but where it really matters is the line of scrimmage, both on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. The, the Seahawks have just lacked any type of consistent physicality. That was one of the reasons why just a moment ago I was bemoaning the potential loss of Abraham Lucas at the right tackle position because, again, in his small uh, sample size that we have of starts this season, then he has been Seattle's most physical run blocker. And I think if you just look at the losses that the Seahawks have had so far this season, then it just kind of proves the point. And the Seahawks are 5-1. and against teams in which they had five or fewer missed tackles. And that's according to pro football focus, but it's also according to my own eyes, having watched every single snap of every single game the Seahawks have played, not only this season, but hell, going all the way back in the 70s. You know, I mean, this is just not the, the type of Pete Carroll, physical, aggressive, uh, you know, kind of team that you've seen on the defensive side of the ball. And I think you can make the same argument if you look on the offensive side of the ball. Corbin, the Seahawks have had one game, one, in which they have had all season long, which they've had a running back eclipse the 100-yard mark. Now, it just so happens that that was Kenneth Walker III against these same Arizona Cardinals way back in like, what, week seven, week eight. But still, one game in which you've had a single running back go for over 100 yards. They've only had six games all season long and when they've accumulated as an entire team over 100 yards. I mean, that... When you have an offensive identity in the past that is all about setting the tone through the running game, and you've only had six games all season long, in which as a team, considering the draft allocation of a second-round pick in Kenneth Walker III, second-round pick in Zach Charbonnet, you know, just the, the focus on the running game that the Seahawks have always prioritized, and you only had the six games total, you know, of anybody on the team, you know, accumulating 100 yards. I mean, that really is the reason why this is a team that right now is on the outside looking in in the playoffs. You mentioned the lack of physicality. Then to me, it's the lack of toughness. I see a team out there. We got to see it on Sunday. We've seen it both games against the 49ers. We saw it against the Dallas Cowboys basically every team that they have played that has come out and thrown a haymaker in the past, we would see Pete Carroll's teams throw a haymaker back. They would be ready to fight. They'd be ready to scrap. This team is the exact opposite. They may start making business decisions. They decide to take the day off when that happens. And we got to see it on Sunday defensively. It isn't just the missed tackles. I talked about the goal line plays where the want to really matters. You didn't see this team do that. And going off that for my first Tell the Truth Tuesday takeaway today, the other thing that jumped out to me with Pete Carroll today, he didn't come out explicitly and say, hey, we're going to clean house. But if you're parsing through the words from him today, he sounds like a frustrated coach that is preparing for this offseason. If this team cannot get this win, can't get in the playoffs, that he is preparing for this to be an offseason where there is going to be some cleaning house, and they are going to make some substantial changes. I think that this is a huge game for a number of big names on this team, including on defense. I think this is a big game for Bobby Wagner. Where is he going to be next season? I think Draymond Jones, yeah, you'd have to eat some money. You just signed him, but 
this is a big game for Draymond Jones. You got to go out and show what they paid you for. Quandre Diggs, he's got a huge contract going into the final year next season. It has not been anywhere close to the best season he's had in Seattle. Those are just a handful of names. Guys like Reek Woolen, who have had disappointing seasons in many regards. Hey, you got to go out and you got to play football. You got to show you want to tackle people. You got to show that you want to be out there with everything on the line. So I think there's a lot of big names that are going to be playing for their roster spot next season in this football game. And I think Pete Carroll and John Schneider and company, they're going to be watching this closely to see who responds to last week. And the people that don't, it doesn't matter how much money you're making. It doesn't matter what your name is. They are going to be looking for guys that are going to bring the effort that you expect from a Pete Carroll coach team. Yeah, I think that's well said. I mean, the, the Seahawks, have they're just not getting enough bang for their buck i mean that's really what comes down to it is some of their highest price players are just not producing at even an average level of, of production and toughness or inconsistency um you know as you would expect and so i, I want to specifically kind of focus in on the inside and that's the interior of the offensive line and if they specifically at the inside linebacker I'll, I'll even mention defensive tackle leonard williams he is among those free agents who uh you know has to be playing for a contract i mean he was do 21 million and the New York Giants paid the vast majority of that salary this season. But, you know, he is an impending free agent. I think that he has made some splash plays for the Seahawks. Jaron Reed has also made some splash plays for the Seahawks, but $21 million kind of a contract. That's not something I think that the Seahawks have seen that type of a return on, on their investment. So that is, to me is, is going to be one of the big name players that has to continue to play well, or perhaps, even excel or exceed what he has done to this point to kind of justify the Seahawks bringing him back. But let, let's focus in on the, the linebackers right behind him. Bobby Wagner, you mentioned him. Jordan Brooks is in the final year of his deal. Obviously, it remains to be seen if he is going to be, um, you know, able to play in this football game considering the fact that he is coming off of his injury uh you know Devin Bush is another one who is a free agent on the interior of the offensive line you have the starting left guard and Damian Lewis the the most uh, experienced of Seattle's offensive linemen um you have the 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 center Evan Brown you have the the guard Phil Haynes that started some, all three, all six of those players, seven, if you want to include Leonard Williams, are all among the 11 unrestricted free agents that the Seahawks have this season. And as you mentioned, a couple of other players that the Seahawks have signed for longer deals, but might be on the chopping block just because if you can't get the current players to play with the physicality that is expected, then sometimes you got to go out there with the switchblade, you know, essentially and cut some people and make some moves here are going to prove that this is a Seahawks football team that is going to bring back the physicality that is expected. One name that is not on the chopping block or at least should not be. I know that a lot of 12s out there have been mentioning Geno Smith's contract. And yes, the cap hit is going to be north of $30 million next year. There are things the Seahawks can do, though, to massage that. They could even try to talk to Geno Smith about adding an extra year to his contract and trying to move some of that cap hit. There are things they can do. He wants to be in Seattle. But this is building off yesterday, and I believe this 110%. Geno Smith is the best quarterback option that you have for next year with the way that this roster is currently constructed. That is not saying don't draft a QB. If the Seahawks want to trade up and get somebody like Michael Penix and keep him in Seattle or Jaden Daniels, the 
Heisman Trophy winner, if you want to move up a few spots and try to get one of those guys, then yes, I'm all for it. If you think that that is your future quarterback, then this is a really good quarterback class. Take advantage of it. But if you believe that one of those guys is going to just be able to jump in with the offensive line uncertainty, with some of the other question marks, this football team has the inconsistency in the run game, with the way things are constructed right now, I don't think that this is suited for a rookie quarterback to jump right in and play well. And so Geno Smith needs to be the guy next season again. And if you get to the late in the season and you feel like the rookie's ready, then you can do that. But I think absolutely there's no question, unquestionably, Geno Smith is the best quarterback option for the Seattle Seahawks next season. You could maybe make an argument for the next couple of seasons, depending how he plays next year. But those that are asking for another QB, be careful what you wish for. Hey, if you want to compete for the playoffs next year, be damn careful about what you wish for. I mean, that's the thing is there has been some splashy plays from some of the quarterbacks here. Um, not only this past season, of course, but Hey, give CJ Stroud a whole bunch of credit might be the offensive rookie of the year. The Houston Texans are not likely to be in the playoffs. Uh, you know, and any of the other splashy rookie quarterbacks that, uh, you know, were, are, were drafted this year, drafted two years ago. It's just a very difficult transition. So I think you make an excellent point there. I, I'm going to shift my focus and we kind of called out the, the guy that the Seahawks have, uh, you know, put up as the the defensive or the, the player of the year, the man of the year in the NFL and Bobby Wagner, we kind of called him out as somebody that may not be back on this roster a season ago or a season from now. Uh, I'm going to call out another fan favorite in Tyler Lockett. And I really wonder if the, the you know, the time has passed on Tyler Lockett in, in Seattle. And I'm going to throw out some numbers here that are pretty damn disturbing. When you consider the fact that kind of entering into this season, Tyler Lockett had four consecutive thousand yard plus seasons. He is well off of that pace this year. He's got 823 yards so far this year. He's got four touchdown receptions, two since September 17th. He hasn't had a touchdown in two months. Uh, you know, th this is a guy that is unbelievable man um, on and off of the field. But at the same time, when we talk about the lack of physicality, a 5'10", 180-pound receiver who kind of ducks and dives whenever there's any type of, uh, you know, physicality coming near him, I think just kind of personifies some of the struggles of this team to really be able to counterpunch and play with any type of consistent aggression. He is as crafty of a route runner as I've ever seen. He, what he does, again, on and off the field, I think is one of the reasons why he should be someday perhaps on the Seahawks ring of honor. But at the same time, I'm into winning football games. And Tyler Lockett has not proven a difference maker since week two in the game that which he caught two of his four touchdown receptions all season long. The only year in his NFL career, of course, all of it in Seattle, in which he has scored fewer touchdowns than this is way back in 2017 when he was an all-pro as a returner. We are long past those days. Corbin, he is due. This season, he's going to get a, he's an $11.6 million cap hit. That balloons to $26.8 million dollars next season now maybe the seahawks are able to convince him to do a uh you know a salary structure the way or the way that he did this past season where he just allocates a whole bunch of money into a, a signing bonus rather than in his uh you know normal um contract uh normal contract 
I don't know. Maybe that's the reason why you might be able to bring Tyler Lockett back. But at this point, considering the investment that you made in Jackson Smith and Jigba, as well as obviously DK Metcalf, if the Seahawks are looking to kind of shed some of their past stars in the hopes of excelling in the future, Bobby Wagner is a player that might get dropped. Tyler Lockett could be one as well. And I think on the coaching staff that everybody's got to be thinking about the chopping block. I wrote an article about this today. I I believe that Pete Carroll will be on the sideline next year, and I would not have an issue if that is the case. I still think Pete Carroll is a fantastic football coach. At the same time, you haven't won a playoff game since 2019. This team had really high expectations. They were 5-2, and two, and now you're 8-8 eight and eight. for the second straight year. They have had a second-half collapse that has been characterized by lack of physicality and, in this case, the lack of toughness and the lack of effort that we saw this last game. You're just wondering, is is it getting to the point now where you would benefit from a different voice and it's beyond just changing coordinators? I don't know if that is the right way to go, but I think it's got to be in consideration. You've got to be looking at your fresh start thing because you've got two really good draft classes that you've just had. You've got some really good star players on this roster. You've got a solid quarterback. This team is built to win right now, but they haven't been able to maximize the guys they have. And so I do wonder if that is something that will be considered by Jody Allen and the team's brass this offseason, especially if they don't make the playoffs. I do think there's going to be some really difficult discussions that are going to have to be had behind the scenes here in coming weeks to figure out what's going to happen next. Again, I think Pete's going to be here, and I wouldn't have an objection to that. I think he's a great coach. But if the Seahawks were to go to a different direction, you could understand the logic behind that too. I just think that everybody's got to be looking in the rearview mirror right now because this team had high expectations. And to this point, uh, they've come vastly short of getting to those expectations this year. Up next, we're going to be looking behind enemy lines, the Arizona Cardinals rematch with the Cardinals in Glendale to close out the season. The Seahawks have to win and need a little bit of help as well to get to the playoffs. We'll take a look at what's new, and there's been a lot that's changed for the Cardinals since week seven. Don't go away. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the biggest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America, and it's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. You don't have to worry about dealing with thousands of other players. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch those winnings roll in. Prize Picks is so simple to play that I can make my submissions on an entry in less than 60 seconds. And now that they've got basketball season going on, we can have combo projections for football and basketball in their special league. For example, I can have Steph Curry and DK Metcalf at 14 and a half three-pointers plus receptions. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy no other fantasy platform out there offers an injury insurance policy. Even if your players get injured, you don't have to worry. With this reboot policy in football and basketball games, if that player doesn't return the second half, the player is rebooted. Prize Picks is an absolute blast each week, and it's an easy way to enjoy daily fantasy without any hassle and land quick winnings. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use the code LockedOnNFL for a first to pass for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pridepicks.com slash LockedInNFL and use the code LockedInNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. 
You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Ace 12 is out. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making Locked on Seahawks your first lesson five days a week. It is truly crunch time for the Seahawks. Their playoff chances taking a major hit by losing to the Steelers on Sunday, but they still have a chance to get into the dance. They need to beat the Arizona Cardinals take care of their own business, and hope the Chicago Bears can beat the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field to close out the season. Speaking of those Cardinals, we mentioned it earlier, Rob, they are coming off of easily the biggest win of the season of the Jonathan Gannon era. This team is playing really hard for Jonathan Gannon right now, and they've had a lot of injuries. They've let go of some players. They've traded some players. I mean, this roster looks way different than the one that the Seahawks faced off against in week seven. And that game was not easy. The Cardinals punched them in the mouth a few times, but they didn't have enough talent to win that football game. And even with some of the injuries, Marquise Brown being an injured reserve, for example, there's been some good players that have been released. Zach Ertz was released at his wishes. So they've lost some key players and it hasn't mattered because Kyler Murray's back in action and He's playing as well right now as I have seen him play these last couple of weeks for the Cardinals and was a big reason that they were able to engineer that upset in Philadelphia. Yeah, that, that's the biggest thing is uh, I know it's low-hanging fruit, but the reality is that the Arizona Cardinals did not have Kyler Murray at quarterback when the Seahawks were able to beat him 20-10 to 10, uh, back in Week 7. They now do have, and they didn't have the running back James Conner available either. And, and so the fact that, at least in my opinion, those are the two best players on offense that the Arizona Cardinals have. The fact that that was a more competitive game than the 20-10 to 10 victory by Seattle at Lumen Field um, would suggest just in the, in the difference in uh, in points scored that was a physical game and as you said the, the Cardinals are playing hard for Jonathan again now I, I do think you have to throw the emotional factor into it I mean the, the Cardinals just beat the Eagles Jonathan Gannon was the former defensive coordinator for the Eagles. And so he got his team, his current team, the Cardinals, rallied up to go against his old guys. And, and so that's just a tip of the cap to John again and the, and the Cardinals. I don't know they're going to be able to match that same type of emotion and physicality which against Seattle that they demonstrate against Philadelphia. But I don't know that they won't be able to do that. They want to play that spoiler role. They are playing good football right now. They do have a good rookie class, led by, in my opinion at least, the offensive tackle, Paris Johnson, um, and then the wide receiver, Michael Wilson, who, again, we, we know the Seahawks have struggled to contain big, tall, fast, wide receivers. Obviously, George Pickens just ate Seattle alive in this past game, and Michael Wilson might be able to do exactly the same kind of thing. I, I mentioned before in the first segment here about how the Seahawks were 5-1 and one against teams in which that they had five or fewer missed tackles. Corbin, they had eight missed tackles against the Arizona Cardinals team back you know, a couple of months ago. And that, again, was without James Conner, who was among the most physical running backs in the NFL. The two games in which the Seahawks' defense was the most woeful was against, in my opinion at least, the two most physical teams that they placed, that they played so far this season. The Baltimore Ravens, in which they had 14 missed tackles, according to Pro Football Focus, and 15 missed tackles against the Pittsburgh Steelers in this latest you know, disheartening loss. 
I think that it's very possible that the Arizona Cardinals, a refreshed, rejuvenated Arizona Cardinals team, may provide the punch to the mouth of the CX camp that simply cannot withstand. Yeah, they had a massive game running the football on the Eagles this last weekend. I believe they eclipsed the 200-yard rushing mark as a team. And this is the thing. You would think that Kyler Murray would have had a big part in that. Kyler Murray didn't have many rushing yards in this game. It was the running backs. It was mixing in Rondale Moore with his ability on jet sweeps and tosses that you can do with him. But it was really the running backs. James Conner is one of my favorite running backs in the NFL right now. I just love the hard-hitting style. Obviously an incredible story what he's overcome to get into the NFL, uh, beating cancer and, and the things that he has done. But he missed that first game, and the Cardinals missed him badly. And he's had a lot of success against the Seahawks in the past. And, oh, by the way, he's a former Pittsburgh Steeler running back. He runs like a former Pittsburgh Steeler running back. We saw the Seahawks struggle with the current Pittsburgh running backs. James Conner is very similar to Najee Harris in the sense that he is going to push the pile. He is going to fall forward. He's going to break arm tackles if you don't square him up. Uh, he is a fantastic running back that also has decent pass-catching skills as well. So I think his return is arguably just as big for this game as what Kyler Murray's is because this offense, we mentioned it in the first matchup between these teams. I thought the Cardinals offense is really going to struggle without James Conner because I feel like he is the heartbeat. He's kind of like what Marshawn Lynch was for those Seahawks offenses when this team was making runs deep in the playoffs. That running back that takes the pounding, delivers the pounding, and does all the all the things well that really round out the offense. That's James Conner with this football team. And you also mentioned the rookie class. Paris Johnson had kind of a rough game in week seven. Boy, Mafe was eating him up. Can he do it again? That's going to be the question. Johnson's been playing much better as this year has progressed. B.J. Ojolari, their second-round pick out of LSU, he was largely a non-factor the first half of the season. He has really picked up his game. He's now up to four sacks, a guy that can create issues with his speed, his burst off the edge. And then another draft pick worth noting, Garrett Williams. He was still recovering from a torn ACL that he suffered at the end of his college career at Syracuse. His play led to Marco Wilson, who was a starter at the beginning of the year, being released. The Cardinals cut him. And Garrett Williams has started six games now. He's got an interception. He's been one of those young guys that has stepped in for this defense that has really helped them play at a much higher level. So this is a really intriguing draft class for the Cardinals that early in the year they weren't getting much return from. And now you look at this group. Michael Wilson's been the constant, but they are getting great play from the rest of this group. And that makes this a frightening matchup for the Seahawks when you consider how they played last weekend and the issues they've had with physical teams. This is a physical Cardinals football team that I expect is going to come out. They're going to be licking their chops after seeing what the Pittsburgh Steelers did, and they're going to be trying to emulate that. And, oh, by the way, they have a much better quarterback than what Pittsburgh brought with them to Lumen Field. No, they really do. And that, to me, is what uh, you know. really this game comes down to, is there, there are a number of players that the Cardinals have on the roster, as we talked about. I mean, it's basically had the turnover. But uh, it, it's the Kyler Murray, <clears throat> excuse me, Kyler Murray and James Conner factors, to me, uh, are the most concerning for the Seahawks because these are young, uh, physical, aggressive players. And, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of showing the, the heart that, frankly, not enough Seahawks are, are, 
are matching um, that that type of effort. So that's what is going to be interesting in, in this matchup to see if the Seahawks are able to match the the physicality that the Cardinals provide. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and X or on X and Threads at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Subscribe and follow Locked On Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, it's Matchup Wednesday. As we talked about, there's a lot of new players for the Cardinals, so we may have some different matchups to break down heading into this season finale rematch in Glendale. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in, and enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Go Hawks!